0: For the next couple of weeks, we will bring the MTOM podcast to the Iowa State Fair. Iowa is home to a lot of agriculture. We're going to talk corn and soybeans and eggs and poultry, and we're going to talk all sorts of things, but we need to start what's best for dinner, and that is beef. Chris Freeland is the executive director of the Iowa Beef Industry Council, and Chris, we are at the... Iowa. Let me get it right. The Iowa Cattlemen's Quarters. What? Tell me where I'm. Where we're sitting.
1: Yeah, the Iowa Cattlemen's Beef Quarters is one of the staples here at the fair. Absolutely. We're able to help them with marketing and advertising, and then it's county organizations that actually have ownership in this, and they get sponsorships.
0: So you are in the. You've been in your job here for a couple of years. Uh, you come from one of arguably the greatest counties in Iowa, Buchanan where I think we're both from. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your upbringing.
1: Yeah, so came from uh, Stanley, Iowa, graduated from Old Wine. My folks currently live in Hazleton, so Buchanan County all around. And I think the great thing is that we always make agricultural connections. I say I went to Iowa State at 18, and I never left Central Iowa.
0: (laughs) And you've been with this organization. And uh, tell us what it is, because you you see it, if you're a non Uh, Ag person, when you come to the fair and you just know I like beef, you don't know too much about it. Uh, What is it that, why are you here at the fair?
1: I think the great opportunity we have in Iowa is to showcase the passion that beef producers have. And that's dairy beef and that's traditional beef as well. They're all part of the supply chain. So if we can bring a trifecta, I call it, showcasing the people behind the product then having a pleasurable and flavorful eating experience and bringing a high-quality product. We are challenged continually in this industry with misinformation. So part of our job here is to reach consumers – help them understand the people that have the product, and then also uh, bridge that for a flavorful eating. You know you eat your way through this <laughs> fair. Uh, uh,
0: why are you looking right at me? I feel like <laughs> you're looking right through me, Chris. Uh, you mentioned earlier that the counties kind of take part. So I see girls with, uh, ladies with crowns and sashes, and then I, I always, I, I love seeing who is working that Go, Oh, I know somebody from Audubon County, you know. What's that all about and why you bring everybody in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the greatest opportunity we have. So we work for the Iowa Beef Industry Council, which is the $1.50 per head beef checkoff program. We represent producers uh, who are making beef happen every day. These county folks, the great thing is it's grassroots. So we have a 20-member board. They're both uh, demographic and geographic selected and elected to our board. They help our staff of seven make quality decisions every day. And one thing that we do here is not only work with our producers, but we work with those consumers and try to bridge the gap. So these young gals that have a platform, whether it's a beef queen or it's someone working in the beef quarters, are hopeful to have conversations. And that's in the Animal Learning Center. The new thing is the farm to fork experience. People just want to know that I can trust that it's top quality and I know what goes into it and that we're producing the best and most flavorful product that we can. That comes with a rigorous set of standards. It's not easy to wake up every day. And if I can give the the lip service, if you will, and showcase what these passionate young people do every day and we continue to strive and grow, it's also good for the economics here. So not only at the fair, but every day we get to go out and uh, showcase these quality people and a quality product. So it's not the live cattle necessarily, but it's the product that ends up on your plate. Who doesn't love a great burger or a steak? We have one of the best preferred proteins around.
0: What was your favorite chore? You mentioned chores, so I was fixated on that. What was your favorite chore on the farm?
1: So I came from a dairy farm. Uh, So I had my first vacation that wasn't the Iowa State Fair when I turned 40. And I raised my kids here and really uh, showcased to them that we have an opportunity to help bridge the gap. We work every day on the farm, and if we never left the farm and we never told people what it takes to produce it, they're not going to know. And they may get on the internet. So one of the opportunities in digital advertising is help to clear up misinformation. So if we can also um, root that in science, we're very credible. So we never want to go out and say something that's our opinion. We want to make sure that we can back up that statement. And that's one of the things that we pride ourselves. We are oversought on the national checkoff, the $1 through USDA. We have that governmental oversight. On the state side, we're oversaw and work really closely with the Department of Agriculture and the state treasury. So we do uh, make sure that we are a credible resource at IABeef.org. That's where you can find that information and know that when you're um, doing a paper or working with the public, it's a credible resource for you because it's been invested and rooted in science.
0: Does the check does the checkoff dollars mean something different today than they used to? I mean, what they go to and what they, they help. Uh, you've talked a lot about those things, but has it changed over time what a checkoff dollar dollars done?
1: Yeah, so obviously the, 1985 is when the national checkoff program came to pass. So that same dollar that we were collecting is the same dollar we're collecting today. We have a higher volume and we have a higher value product. And so folks say, oh boy, you're with the beef industry. You must have taken a lot of money. Where does that money go? And so I think the opportunity we have with producers is to make an investment statement. This is where your dollars are going. Do you want that invested in international markets where it can really grow at $315 per head of fed steer? 13.6% of our domestic product is going overseas. We need to have that conversation. The other thing is digital advertising. So I hear a lot of guys that say, I don't see where you're at on TV anymore. (laughs) Well, it's awfully expensive. So I pride myself coming from a dairy farm background where I milked my own cows for over 20 years and then also bridging it into, let's make an ROI. So does this have value? Does it make sense? And are we using the dollars to the best advantage? And then we vet that through our 20-member board who say, you know, this doesn't make sense at the gate. And and we invest in other things, but digital advertising, where millennials, the 18 to 34 year olds, are, are pennies on the dollar. So right now we're in a digital campaign in a 10 state area in the Midwest, targeting consumers 18 to 34 for two cents a view on a YouTube video. That's a pretty good return in my mind.
0: And chances are, who you're targeting is not who is contributing. To the, to, to the account because you are trying to reach those that aren't familiar with your work because you're trying to educate them. I have said this before with previous folks I've had the discussion. I sit uh, at a lot of baseball games down here in Des Moines at the Iowa Cubs and I have noticed in the last three years how the ag groups have all picked up some type of sponsorship to that mostly urban audience that comes through. And that's probably who you're targeting as well. You're all kind of on that same page right now.
1: Absolutely. And if you're in Iowa, we are not removing ourselves from this market. So partnerships with hy and Fairway, who we appreciate and, and enjoy in the supply chain. One thing, if you're across Iowa, we have Mobile Billboard. So we invested in a partnership with Fairway. So we have Dan Hanran from Madison County on the back. We also have burgers and steaks and the Beef It's What's for Dinner. That Beef It's What's for Dinner relaunched. It, it kind of went silent for a little while nationally. So whatever state you are in, we're amplifying that message. And we want to make sure that you get the tagline, you get the music, and the next generation is feeling good about the cowboy way, if you will.
0: There you go. Now, you mentioned the Iowa message has kind of gone to those surrounding states. Why, why do that?
1: Yeah, so we have 4 million head of cattle in Iowa, and we have 3.1 million people. And based on our consumer insights, 98% of the population are consuming beef. We want to make sure that we grow market share and we drive demand. So we have a lot of protein on the market. We're also looking at competition with other proteins. So how do we become the preferred number one protein and continue to find a home for that beef? So we're going to continue to produce cattle and do it really efficiently with the tools we have, we need to have a home for it. So when we look at states like New York, Arizona, large populations in Chicago, we need to reach that that demographic and geographic because they have very few cattle in those states. So when you look at the checkoff dollars, they have a fraction, a small percentage. So we need to infuse our cattle-heavy dollars into those markets where consumers are, And we also know in those urban areas, the trends we're seeing is clean eating, um, food labels, claims, and we wanna make sure that they're making the informed decision. It's about choice and we want beef to be a choice and a quality option for them.
0: So I'm guessing you don't put a lot of money in Texas or Nebraska states that are heavy producing that they would just pick it up. So New York is one of those. What about, California's a big ag state, but California's also a ridiculously large urban state as well. you, you talk about those states and you talk about the United States, but I would imagine if you look down to, let's go south of uh, New York into Washington, D.C., you've been watching trade. I can't imagine what it's been like for you in your industry t- to look at. I know what it's been like for us trying to produce the Market to Market show covering trade. How do you keep ahead of what is happening at any given moment or, let's face it, any given tweet?
1: Yeah, so you possibly can't do this alone. It's the power of partnerships, right? So the Chekhov investment through the U.S. Meat Export Federation is quality. So that group has 130 countries that they have boots on the ground in multiple countries. Someone in in that country who understands the language, who understands the culture, So when we look at uh, checkoff, we cannot be involved in policy. We cannot be involved in lobbying. So our role is strictly end product promotion, research, and uh, information. So when we look at the international market and those boots on the ground, we get all of our market intel, our market trends. Japan is number one. One interesting thing is Korea. As the Asian middle class gets more dollars in their pocket, They are no longer a a full chopstick society. We're seeing that their government is actually recommending them to eat more red meat. So they're into Korean barbecues, different sauces, uh, the bento boxes in Japan. That is all uh, branding. Eat beef, eat American. So when you go into those uh, markets and you look in the grocery section, even if there's not a label on the package that says this is a product of the U.S., we're also seeing a shelf tag they know it's highly marbled they know it's safe and they're wanting our product because they know us beef is a preferred protein there
0: and it tastes good and it's and it's and it's a as you mentioned the quality project product when cuz sometimes when you see oh Whatever country i shouldn 't call out a specific country and say i don 't want that. I want American beef I, uh, I always uh, a friend of mine who moved out to California several years ago. He said when he, he was an Iowa farm kid from Winnebago County, Iowa, and he said, uh, "Oh, I love it when I picked up a menu in Santa Monica and it said, "Iowa grown beef or something like that, so you know it 's all part of the branding, and it worked and, and he just got a kick that oh that 's a big deal. I grew up with that all the time. I know we can 't talk policy too much, but you do have to pay attention to it." What about the conversations you hear from people? I mean, are they asking you stuff like that? I know I'm not asking you to, to, to talk about it, but, I mean, it's clearly on people's minds.
1: Yeah, so in the international market specifically, uh, we are not able to advocate for policy, but we can't be removed from understanding right. trade is imperative to what we do in the beef industry. We recognize that. And, again, when you look at 13.6% of our domestic supply being exported, the other thing I think you need to really pay attention to is the emerging markets, mm-hmm. okay? So when we have livers, not a lot of liver demand here. I'm not a fan for
0: a, of liver, but there are people in other places that do. Tongues. Yeah.
1: Intestines. Kidneys. We have to find places for those markets. And right now, Angola is a growing market in Africa. We're seeing that we can do a dollar exchange and we can grow that. Uh, ASEAN, the Asian Southern Pacific Singapore is the world's second-largest port. They're disseminating to multiple Asian countries. We have to also be present there and understand how trade impacts our bottom line. And we owe it to our farmers to continue to be relevant, to be timely, and to understand. And I think that's the exciting thing for someone like me who's passionate about the industry and agriculture in general is we are able to be their mouthpiece. And if we are representing them at the table... We're representing farmers' interests. We don't want that to ever be taken for granted, and we certainly like to hear from our farmers. They can talk to anybody in their local um, area that's represented on the board. They can call our office. So uh, calling the Ames office, stopping in, we always want to hear from people out in the country that might have great ideas. The fairway idea came from one of our local producers who was at a meeting that said, well, if you really wanted to do something, do this we certainly are open and we want to hear from people and if you get to the iowa state fair the beef life cycle in the animal learning center the other thing is we're going to have a farm to fair event a large table on the grand concourse with farmers engaging with consumers and they're going to be able to have conversations we know that farmers are one of the most trusted resources. A lot of times I hear, Chris, you get paid to say this, you get paid to do this. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what, at the end of the day, if you don't love what you do and you don't wanna put in those long hours, you're not gonna be effective.
0: Your long hours today, we're recording this on the first Saturday of the fair. This is a big day for you.
1: Yes, we have the Governor's Charities Deer Show and we, we engage in that on the Beef Checkoff as an image building opportunity. We have so many great conversations. And to be able to have the governor, who started with Terry Branstead and transitioned to Kim Reynolds, committed and passionate. And it's a partnership with the Iowa Cattlemen's Association. So you not only look at the live cattle and the showing portion, but the platform to share the image. This is what we do. And then it goes back to the Ronald McDonald House charity. Uh, what that has afforded us on Friday, we took the kids who are showing in the steer show and their families, and we volunteered all day. And we planted trees and we planted uh, shrubs. We had a patio. So to, to make them really close to the mission and find out how they're affecting 270,000 visits over the course that we've invested back into them, it's not a fundraising event. It's a, a consequence of what we're doing and cattlemen care.
0: That, it's kind of funny you say that. and it, It's almost value-added like you do with you talk about the tongue and the intestine and things like that that's value added experience to the to the charity steer show
1: Absolutely. i got it. We're excited about it.
0: I'm excited. I came up with that on my own without you prompting me on that, And if you do want to
1: watch that, you better get your seat at noon because it doesn't happen until 4, but it's pretty busy.
0: Well, that'll be one of the things, uh, part of what I'm doing for Iowa Public Television during the fair coverage is a lot of Facebook Lives. We're going to be there. Uh, I know you'll hear this long after uh, that airs, but if you want to go back to the Iowa Public Television page, we will show you uh, how... What it looks like behind the scenes. We're going to talk to our market-to-market host Delaney Howell. She is showing uh, one of the steers today, and uh, you know she's involved with agriculture and she's on that younger generation. When you look in around the quarters here, who do you want to see having a sandwich or a uh, let's see, it's a mango brisket uh, delight or you know the, the the market the old Mark and Gary burger. Who do you want to see in here?
1: We want to see families. We wanna see old, young, everybody who's coming here to enjoy a great beef experience because you wanna start young and you wanna have them having a great experience with beef across the life cycle. So when you start young and you get a flavor for it and a taste for it, sometimes people here are coming annually just to have that hot beef (laughs) Sunday. We try to introduce new new burgers. So uh, Friday was the best burger contest winner was here featured at the uh, Cattlemen's Beef Quarters and that was the Cafe Baudelaire in Ames. So every year we try to showcase these great Iowa restaurants and we work with culinary students. And a lot of times now the chefs are telling us that we don't get a whole lot of information about the industry but we're asked questions on the menu now. It's no longer about what spice did you use it's where did you get this beef? Can you tell me about the people behind that product? And so we need to help them understand whether it's Grain finished, grass finished, all the different claims that are out there in the market. We're just giving them the information to make an informed decision.
0: I think of uh, a couple in Marshall County, Iowa, and they won uh, an ag award earlier this year, and I and they have a store right there through uh, I think it's Albion, and uh, they sell direct to consumer right there. That's not a new thing anymore. Yes, it's important to to have big conglomerates that that, that you sell to, but that it, it clearly, if if the market allowed, there was a reason that they were able to open that business and continue to maintain that business. If I want to get into that and have a direct business, is is your organization one that can help get me down that path?
1: So the simple answer is we are very supportive, and one thing that we are able to do in that Marshall County market is. Uh, provide materials, provide recipes, brochures. We want to promote all beef. So whether you want a local, know your farmer experience, or you want to buy something, all beef is all good. And I keep saying whether you're a small niche market farmer or you're a larger corporate farmer, all farmers need all farmers. We're all in this together. And again, we are an unbiased, science driven organization who works for the better good. So if a a beef industry is growing, regardless of the style, Mm -hmm. the way it's produced, we want somebody to be having an eating experience. We can connect them with resources. One of the great things is we have a relationship with Iowa State University. Beef quality assurance programming, funded through Chekhov, now is part of a general market access. And it's a claim that says we have had training we are all following a similar set of quality standards of how we raise the animals, what we use. And that's just giving the consumer another layer of confidence in that we are doing the right thing. And we've been doing the right thing for a long time. It's very unfortunate that some people take that and use it in, in a a poor way
0: in a way that's not as supportive to the industry and and you're not trying to be a hawk for the industry you're just trying to make sure everybody want no matter if it's the news information they take and I'm not even talking about beef anything well politics or whatever you just want good information that you know is based and not biased in some way I mean Absolutely. That's a, I would imagine that's a big thing for you to say all right uh, we see these folks come through you get a chance uh, I, I see people with different colored shirts that talk. I mean, do you encourage the producers to go out and, and maybe, you know, talk to a table? And, you know, where are you in from? I mean, is that part of the outreach that they get to do? the uh, We'll call it the glad handing or the, the, you know, the politicking of things.
1: Yeah, so we have a Masters of Beef Advocacy program. It's an online platform that helps our producers become trained. So, you know, um, if you're a nurse or you're in a certain industry, sometimes we have what we call shop talk. And we forget that the baseline of someone that's never been to a farm, who's never had that experience is very different. And so we do test a lot of messaging. Uh, We find out how we communicate and how we're perceived. So yes, we have a lot of young advocates, a young beef leaders program that we work with the Cattlemen's Association to grow young people in the industry. Because at the end of the day, they are promoting themselves their business, and the relevancy of why they continue. So absolutely, the conversations, the relationships, and where we're at across the fair is second to none.
0: All right, i got to go back to one more international trade issue before I forget, Chris. Uh, You talked about emerging markets, developing markets. We know Korea is important. Uh, We know uh, that Japan has always been important. Between China and India, I mean, do you see one of those as the emerging, or are we seeing, is there a different country that we should be watching to see who gets interested and gets that taste for beef?
1: So China has had a taste for beef, and obviously 2003 BSE, we were closed to that market for over 13 years. We were recently able to get reinstated, Uh, Some of the requirements to China, we're shipping a very small volume into that country because they want Premise ID, because they require non-hormone, non-antibiotic, and and there's a different set of standards. But it is going to be absolutely imperative that we continue to inspire the trust. We continue to open trade. And um, if I had to say the growth opportunities... Um, It will be challenging but not uh, prohibitive, but there will be a special group of producers who choose to embrace that model, and that's their choice, and that serves the market. So I think we need diversity. We need to continue to move forward, but India, we compete with, obviously, from Indian beef. Sure. But it's a very different taste. It's yeah. a very different product. It's a very different texture. So we want to continue to look to where the lion's share of product is moving and also continue to be diversified. We also want to supply beef in this country. So if if the rug would come out from under you and a market would close, you can't have all of your eggs in one basket. Right.
0: That's why I, I guess that's why I yes. asked that, basically.
1: We definitely know that China rules, and we need to continue to monitor that.
0: And I know from a market-to-market standpoint, we usually end up talking pork more in the Chinese market. But when you do see those stories about beef getting in there, I know you see it as a, as a great opportunity for, for more product. Uh, but diversity is important because, of as you mentioned, as one door opens, another one uh, one closes, another one might open. And you have well, to sort and it I
1: think Korea is another example. If you look at where Korea was, they were rioting in the streets against U.S. beef, holding it as a political hostage. We are now in 100% U.S. beef in Costco stores there. When you look at the growth that we've experienced, last year in the international market, we had record numbers, and Korea was part of the reason that that outpaced. So we have Japan, Korea, Mexico continues to be a great partner. So I think when we look at where we are successful and where we continue to grow, we have unmatched potential, and we're going to continue to, to reach out where we need to be.
0: I know when I go back and look at old video through the Market to Market Library, and I'll pull something from the late 90s or the early 90s, it's, it's in one of the Asian markets. They've been in there for a long time. And so when you get past that first generation into the second and to the third Got to have a big smile about that type of thing, knowing that, oh, that's established. And then that consumer is going to push up and demand they get uh, the product that they have grown to like the taste of.
1: Absolutely. So I think when you talk about trade and you talk about beef there, it's a, it is consumer demand. And if we continue to market in-country, we use the investment of Checkoff with U.S. Meat Export Federation um, I'm fortunate enough to sit on the Unified Export Strategy Committee at the national level. We're able to have two representatives that go as producers into those meetings to help shape it. We also have five federation directors who are from our board that go to National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and they help shape policy in Export Growth Committee, Consumer Trust, Safety. We look at safety. Imagine if you have a safety challenge, you're immediately shut down. It doesn't matter how great your marketing is if it's a safety issue, and that's why U.S. beef does well. We have some of the most stringent standards, and we're going to continue that.
0: Uh, Last couple of questions here before I forget, Chris. Um, You talk domestic, and you you, you talk in this country, and growth, and importance of markets, and importance of, of building trust. and that's something that hasn't gone away. and In fact, it might even be more important uh, than you've ever had to deal with. But if I'm someone watching and I want to see, we're not talking policy, but if I want to follow policy, what group should I follow as both a consumer and as a producer? Who should I follow to see where that policy discussion is going and, and, and just pay attention? Who should I be watching? Can you tell me that or am I going to get you in trouble with that?
1: So I think you need to make an informed decision, just as I shared that Checkoff invests in research. One of the things we were able to do is work with the Iowa Cattlemen's Association, the Iowa Farm Bureau, Iowa Corn, and the Iowa Area Development Group, and what we learned by commissioning a study in 2017 using the Iowa State Beef Checkoff, the additional 50 cents, we established a baseline. We have a $6.3 billion industry in Iowa. We have 32,317 jobs that are inspired by the beef industry. That's huge. Mm -hmm. So when you look at what is the future potential, why do we want beef in this state, we can produce quality beef because we have natural resources. So I think making an informed decision, whatever group you choose to follow, is the important thing that you ask good questions. We certainly want you to make an informed decision based on fact and then based on your individual operation. Like I said before, beef farmers all need beef farmers and we're all in this together. I think the other unique thing, uh, as you touched on, is we work together in Iowa, commodity group to commodity group. So we sit at the table in some of the investments with the Coalition to Support Iowa Farmers. That's corn, soybeans, poultry, pork. If we are all at the table together, And we're talking and we're understanding where we go. We have the Iowa Food and Family Project. We have the Iowa Ag Literacy Foundation. The power of partnerships is huge because we cannot be on a ship by ourselves. We need to all work forward and move together with a positive momentum. And that's unmatched, honestly. We have other states that look to us and say, how do you do it in Iowa? And it's because we work together.
0: I'd get in trouble if I used the Disney line, but it's the high school musical line. We're all in this together. In Iowa. That's really what it is about. Could
1: you sing that? I bet you, I bet you we have a, a good voice in here. We're all
0: this together. Oh, Paul, that we you sing brought that. it. We sing it all the time. We've watched it at our house a time or two. We're very familiar with it. Um, Iowa, you do talk about how everybody has to work together. Iowa might not be the biggest beef-producing state, but we, we are really good at pork. We're really good at corn. We're really good at soy. We're really good at beef in this state. So when you look at those other states that might be ahead of us in numbers, um, Are they looking to you for information, or are you looking to them? How does that relationship work with the Texas and Nebraskas of the world?
1: It's symbiotic. So we come together three times a year, and we also get our staffs together. So if we're marketing in Iowa... And we're investing those dollars on behalf of the beef producers. We're also talking to Texas. We're talking to Nebraska. And I think that's the efficiencies that we gain. So I always talk about R&D, rip off and duplicate. (laughs) So if we have a great idea or something that we've done, uh, one of of those examples is the economic impact study that we commissioned. There are now states that are looking at that to replicate that Mm -hmm. and understand what their state looks like. The other thing that we work together on in a 10-state area is to target the metros. So digital advertising, rethink the ranch, farmer producer profile videos. So, yes, we work together. We understand the importance of doing so. And, again, we're, we're in this together. So if there are good ideas that come out of these other states, we want to extend that message even further. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can gain efficiencies by pooling dollars, having one overarching mission, and the Beef It's What's for Dinner is the national tagline, so whatever state you're in, in the U.S., you know that you're going to see that, you're going to hear the music, and you're going to get that whole good feeling, and the next generation of millennials didn't quite understand what that meant, so I think, again, the trifecta, we're going to make that happen.
0: All right. the last question is the hardest and most political. What's the best item on the menu here?
1: My goodness! Paul, you're killing you me here. You have to pick
0: if you have to. Okay, I'll let what you off the hook. What is my favorite? Because remember,
1: favorite? it's about choice. That's true. So I would recommend that you come here to the Cattleman's Beef Quarter. And I have
0: several times.
1: And you try <laughs> whatever is your most favorite cut of beef. So do you love prime rib? Guess what? They've got it here. I,
0: I know they have it. I'm still a big New York Strip person. And and what do you have? That's, if I like that, or the or the sirloin.
1: So we have a ribeye steak sandwich. Yes, you do. We have a prime rib, which are whole muscle cuts. We have that brisket mango tango. Brisket is making a huge opportunity and splash in the state. That was traditionally a Texas-style meal. Yeah, right, right, right. But we're seeing value. Or they ground it into a burger. And the other thing is, who cannot love a great burger? I mean, the great Nancy Degner, who I assumed her position three years ago, was a huge burger fan. That's why we have a burger contest in Iowa. So come here for the hot beef Sunday, the roast that's shredded it oh, yeah. that has mashed potatoes and that cherry tomato on top.
0: So you're saying you pick a different thing each day.
1: Absolutely. I've had them all. As long as it's beef.
0: Yes. You can't just have one, and I knew that that would, because I don't want to get you in trouble any further than this interview probably did, Chris.
1: Oh, yeah. We were on the fringe, Paul. We were on the fringe. But and, I appreciate the opportunity. Again, this is what it's about is forging these relationships, getting it in the consumer's mind, and then helping in the investors, the farmers, understand what we're doing. And so many times they have to make really challenging decisions on their farm. We are taking that same uh, sense of responsibility and working at the grassroots level Escalating it up and making a, a, the biggest impact that we can.
0: And you're making an impact because I look at the line; it's not. Oh, it is after eleven now. There's a huge line already, and somebody's going to want our seats. So I'm going to let you off the hook anymore uh, any further than that. Chris Freeland is the uh, executive director, Iowa Beef Industry Council. Thank you so much for joining us here on the MTM podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. That's Chris. My thanks to her for being a part of the MTOM podcast, which is a production of Iowa Public Television and the Market to Market program. My name is Paul Yeager. If you have any questions or comments about what we do on this podcast, send me an email, paul.yeager at iptv.org. And as always, thanks for listening.